Hello and welcome back to the What The Fork Sunderland Preview Podcast. After two hugely impressive results against Reading and Watford, Sunderland have frustratingly drew two blanks as we drew 0-0 in back-to-back games against Preston and Blackpool. Nonetheless, Tony Mowbray's side will have another opportunity to continue their impressive away form as we visit Swansea City this Saturday for our first visit to Wales in approximately five years. It's been an inconsistent start to the championship for the Swans, but they do appear to be finally finding their feet with three wins in their last four games, including six goals in their last two. And to give us the lowdown on their season so far is Luke Davies, who joins me from the Swans cast. Luke, how are you, mate? You okay? Yeah, well, good. Thanks for having me on. Uh, Yeah, excited to talk talk a bit of football with you. We'll start from the top, as always. Um, For listeners, we are discussing this before Swansea's game tonight against Watford and after Sunderland's game against Blackpool, as I'm sure you know. Um, So the last game that you actually played was a 3-2 win against West Brom, the weekend just gone. How was the performance? Actually went up to this game, so um, it was very good. Yeah, very good. Well, there was areas where we were perhaps getting a bit frustrated, thinking we we took the lead and it looked like we took a foot off the gas. But what was a highlight for me was how we were able to get back into the game and come away from and at one point come from behind to pick up a result away from home. It's not really something you've seen from us this season and maybe is a sign of where we have made improvements and certain things have changed to allow us to sort of have that mentality to stay strong where we have gone behind but we're not out of the game because quite often at the Swans fan this season and back into last season, it's always felt like as soon as we go behind, probably not going to come back into it. Looking at sort of Swansea's most recent form, obviously it might all change tonight, but um, while Sunderland have like struggled to score goals in the past week, obviously 2-0-0 draws, there is lots of reasons for that, which Sunderland fans will know. Swansea have actually scored six goals in the last two games at the time of speaking. You weren't really scoring that many at the beginning. Um, obviously, that's definitely changed. What, what do you sort of put that down to? Um, it's been, it was a bit of a tricky summer in regards to transfer speculation, I guess, around our top players. So, Joel Perot, obviously, 20-goal striker last season, did really well for us in his first year in the Championship, which highlighted him to everyone, essentially, as it does. Um, again, linked with teams left, right, centre. So, he kind of, like, I think he had a slow start, start of the season. We'll start from the top, as always. Um, for listeners, we are discussing this before Swansea's game tonight against Watford and after Sunderland's game against Blackpool, as I'm sure you know. Um, So the last game that you actually played was a 3-2 win against West Brom the weekend just gone. How was the performance? Actually went up to this game, so um, it was very good. Yeah, very good. Well, there was areas where we were perhaps getting a bit frustrated thinking we we took the lead and it looked like we took a foot off the gas, but what was a highlight for me was how we were able to get back into the game and come away from and at one point come from behind to pick up a result away from home. It's not really something you've seen from us this season and maybe is a sign of where we have made improvements and certain things have changed to allow us to sort of have that mentality to stay strong where we have gone behind but we're not out of the game because quite often at the Swans fan this season and back into last season it's always felt like as soon as we go behind we're probably not going to come back into it. Looking at sort of Swansea's most recent form, obviously it might all change tonight. But um, while Sunderland have like struggled to score goals in the past week, obviously two nil nil draws, there is lots of reasons for that, which Sunderland fans will know. Swansea have actually scored six goals in the last two games at the time of speaking. You weren't really scoring that many at the beginning. Um, obviously, that's definitely changed. What do you sort of put that down to? 
Um, it's been it was a bit of a tricky summer in regards to transfer speculation, I guess, around our top players. So Joe Perot, obviously, twenty goal striker last season, did really well for us in his first year in the championship, which highlighted him to everyone essentially, as it does. Um, again, linked with teams left, right, centre. So he kind of like I think he had a slow start start of the season, and you'd like have to say perhaps as a link with all of this gossip that. He wasn't quite the same player, at least in the early stages. So since the transfer deadline has come and gone, he's definitely got into the games more. He started scoring the week after I think it closed. But also, Michael Obafemi, the other striker who, again, our, our attacking line has been quite good under Russell Martin with those two. Um, on deadline day, the sort of gossip and rumours shifted to him. And he was linked heavily with a move to Burnley, which they were by all accounts bid in a couple of times. I think turned his head a little bit. He had a bit of a pout on, so he got dropped. Now they were both playing together, and because they were both playing together, you'd have Obafemi up top and Perot behind, perhaps on the right, not as a striker. So the fact that Obafemi's now been dropped, Perot's gone back to striker role, that also might have made a contribution. Personally, I can't see a reason why he should now try and accommodate both in the team. Because as you've said, since since they've made the change, we've started scoring a few more. It's not like it's Peru scoring all the goals, but the team is, seems to be functioning better with him as a striker or Obafemi as a striker and the other one coming off the bench rather than trying to fit them both into the system. So I think both things, the rumours and the little changes information have definitely made an impact. But one thing that I want to mention as well, a youngster coming through a system, Ollie Cooper, has also come in at the same time as all this happening, because our form, as you mentioned earlier, wasn't great, so a couple of things changed. But he's kind of shown a little bit of determination, effort, like that sort of um, want to stay in the team, want to work hard, goes a long way and perhaps showed what some of the other players weren't doing, who struggled to get back in since. And he's he's played every game since, so he's come up from the youth team. We wanted to see more of him, and surprisingly so for me, I'm happy to see it, but he's he's literally started every game since and he's been a really good um, addition to our squad. Looking at, obviously, you touched on Russell Martin there before, it was someone that we were relatively familiar with because of, obviously, our, our stint in League One. He's been in charge for sort of little over a year now, like a year and two months, give or take. I think he left in last August. I can't quite remember where the season started sort of last year, but um, yeah. highly highly rated, obviously, at MK Dons. And he really seemed to be building a project that had a purpose and a style of play. Um most managers don't last too long these days in the championship. I heard the other day that Michael Beale, who's been in charge of QPR for four months, is the uh, 11th longest serving manager in the championship. So there's a stat. Um, but it does appear that Swansea, you know, see Russell Martin and did it right at the beginning as the man for the long haul. But how do fans view Martin and, and how's his first year been in charge for you? Um, it's very mixed, actually. So his first year in charge was always tipped as a transition. We were always going down this new style of play route. I say new style of play, more focused back on the way we used to play in the old days, although the formation's different. Passing the ball, keeping the ball, that sort of thing. Um, but under Cooper, that's not what we were necessarily doing so much of. So transition, trying to get the players to play this way, and it's quite an aggressive form of that style, probably more so than what we used to do um, in our successful periods. So it's been tricky, but I guess you always had the whole, like, got to give him time transition year last season. And we finished around mid-table, but the expectation was to push on. So the early part of the season, it's been a lot of fans on his back because of the tough start that we have had. You know, go back two weeks ago and we were in the bottom three, I think. And I know it's early days, but people will start to get twitchy and 
frustrated. We weren't scoring so much, um, making stupid mistakes. And it was the same sort of stupid mistakes that were always labelled as well. It's because it's our transitional season. We've got to get used to this new style. It's like, okay, we're in our second year now, so why are they still happening? It's like we haven't learned anything. So there's still questions. Um, we have had an upturn in, upturn in form. We just need to see that maintained now for a longer period of time, I think, a bit of consistency. It looks like he's got the potential to get us in that right direction. He just needs to like stick to his guns now. The changes he's made that have made an impact, own them, but don't go back to what he wanted before. Now it started getting better again, if that makes sense. Um, so still jury out a little bit. I want to back him. I want to give him time. But there's a lot of people who are still very cautious, let's just say. I think when you're looking at Swansea's style, obviously in the past, I think obviously we were in the, the Premier League with you at the same time. We sort yeah. of remember the, the Brendan Rodgers style. And I think there's a lot of clubs that get associated with the style of play. I think Norwich are kind of one as well, weirdly, which obviously Russell Martin has a, a connection with as being a, a long-serving former player. Um, widely, I would say Russell Martin from the time that he had at MK Dons was seen as someone who would, would promote passing out from the back at all costs, bringing the keeper in as a sweep, the keeper possession-based with maybe a modern flair. Um, has he continued down that route and is that the kind of style we're going to see or, or is it going to be a little bit different to what maybe you would hear in the media or expect Swansea to play like under Russell Martin? No, that's definitely the style. Uh, and some when I mentioned... Um, perhaps some of the stubbornness and things that he's slightly changed recently to get a form better. Um, the passing up from the keeper specifically under pressure is one of the main things. That's also one of the main things that's cost us a lot when we've got it wrong. So a lot of the, the opportunities for opposition teams come when we play ourselves into trouble in a position where we can't recover. That's, I would say, when most of the goals we can see to come from and have done since he's been in charge. And the fact that that's still happening now is the concern. He did rectify it a bit by bringing in Stephen Bender instead of Fisher. Fisher's the goal he brought from MK Dons, um, who seemed a little bit more able or willing to just kick it long when that's required. And in the game immediately after where we started addressing this slump, if you like, against QPR, we actually had less possession in a home game Um than QPR and it's the first time all season we've had less possession in the opposition where we were averaging around 70% beforehand so a bit of a shift but I think now they got a bit more comfortable it does seem like even Bender knowing goals is starting to play out from the back a bit more and you've seen some of these mistakes creep back in because it's all well and good if the keeper can play a pass to the centre-back who can take control of that ball it's that second sort of the bit of vision where but where's this guy going to play it to now? Because the pressure's there. So can he get out? Can he get out? Or is it just a case of you then end up hoofing the ball, but you're in a far worse position because you're out of position and everyone's all over the place and it comes straight back at you. So things creeping back in, but um, that's definitely the style. It is adapting here and there sometimes, depends who he brings in and I guess how the form is. But you'll definitely see us playing out from the back and you'll probably see us making a couple of errors doing so. I find it quite interesting that the subject of teams that are associated with styles of play and I think the big one for me is West Ham. There's the West Ham way. Now, as a Sunderland fan, I would love to see us play like Barcelona and anyone who saw our goal against Redden might have thought we we, we maybe were Barcelona for like a small sort of 20-minute <laughs> segment because it was some goal, but... I've got to be honest and say that, you know, off the top of my head, some of the best football I've seen in Sunderland was when 
Sam Allardyce was here, who's predominantly seen as someone who plays horrendous football, but it was nice direct football and we scored goals. And then going back to Quinn and Phillips, yes, there was more than just chucking in crosses for them too. But ultimately that was our our main weapon was getting some of Ian Johnson to put crosses in and them two to finish it off as, as the strikers they were. Um, so from a Sunderland perspective, winning games is the style of play I like to play, if that makes sense. But for Swansea, Norwich, West Ham, these teams, there is an association with a certain style of football and the way you play. Stoke on a complete flip side of that. As a fan, obviously, I know everyone's got different opinions, but how important is Swansea and, and their possession and their identity in the way that they play to, to yourself? Yeah, that's a really difficult question because I do like the um, romanticism, perhaps, of that you know a, a most successful period who rose up from around League One under Roberto Martinez where it started to the Premier League. This is a whole story around that. I know a lot of teams have quote, you know, maybe not so much these days, but immediately afterwards used that as a bit of perhaps inspiration. And we always look back on fond memories. So you think, oh, let's just go back to that style of play. It's going to be successful again. But is the football landscape the same as it was then? And that I think that's where the divide comes. So we've actually had this conversation quite a lot on our podcast because fans were really frustrated at the end of Steve Cooper's reign, even though we got to the playoff final. And then he went afterwards uh, about him being a little bit more boring, defensive, defending 1-0 leads, like that sort of thing. But ultimately it brought success. So what do you value more? Is it having that style of play that you've been linked to in the past and had fond memories of? Or do you want to be successful because you got to the playoffs twice under this style? Russell Martin comes in and his first year we're down in mid-table, but playing the footballer you've asked for. But then you've also got a large section of the fan base not happy with that. So I don't know what the answer to the question is. I think for me personally, I think results need to always be the focus ultimately in this business. And the more financially incentivized the sport becomes, ultimately it's got to be the way, isn't it, results? And that's why you see the managerial changes and the amount you see Um if you're prepared to give someone time and you back them correctly, then yeah, go for a style of play that's going to benefit your club. And if you can build something around that, I think that can benefit you in the long term. But if you're going to go down that route, I also think you need to be patient. And that's one of the things that's missing a lot of the time from fans and perhaps the boards across across the place. So yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, very fair answer, I think. I think I, I agree with you um, 100% on that, but you're probably right in, in saying that a lot of the clubs I mentioned before, maybe that style of players dipped in the nostalgia of successful periods. Uh, West Ham, Norwich, you all had successful periods playing that style and, and obviously swan to yourself, but I agree ultimately. I think it's just about the results. And, and I think it's an interesting time to be a Swansea fan probably because you were relegated from the Premier League back in 2018, I think the season after us. And so you've now had four seasons in the championship. First season, you finished 10th when you went down, which I suppose is fair enough. You know, it does sometimes take some adjustment. And then as you've touched on before, you finished fourth and then sixth and obviously didn't get out of the playoffs, unfortunately. Last season dropped a little, I think it's the lowest you've been, but ultimately mid-table. Um, so it does kind of feel like a season that will tell us where Swansea's immediate future is going to be lying. Um, going back to when you, you were first relegated from the Premier League, you instantly probably think of, you know, how fast can we get back up? I think it was the same with us in, in League One. After four seasons and, and last season's finish last year, 
where are Swansea as a club and as a team and as a fan base currently? Yeah, it's it's a lot different picture now. Obviously, Graham Potter was the guy in charge for that first season. He's gone. He's Chelsea manager now. It says a lot about um, his stock. He obviously had the job of stabilising the club. We had a mass exodus of players. The club was badly managed financially in that desperation of uh, avoiding relegation from the Premier League, which I think a lot of clubs go through and struggle with. In a way, the clubs that go up for one season aren't as badly affected as those that have a prolonged stay up there because the accumulation of wages and transfers, you bring in the bigger players in to try and stay there. Eventually it goes wrong. But you've got all these all these guys that are on these stupid amounts of money that is unsustainable in this league. So that's what we've had to fix basically since we've come down. And this season now, they actually last week, I think they did like a fan forum and the owners, which we don't actually hear an awful lot from, uh, they're Americans and yeah, that's another story. But um, they, they came out and said like our wage budget in the league is the third lowest, which it's a bit of a shock, really, when you think how recent we were in the Premier League and there's some clubs here that have come up from League One that have got higher wage budgets. Like, maybe you need to ask questions about why that is, or maybe it's just a reality check of where Swansea as a club really sits in the football landscape and obviously the geography around the location and attracting perhaps some of the money and stuff like that. And a bit of a reality check. So that's where we are at the moment. No parachute payments anymore managing our finances, managing our wage budget, trying to be a bit nifty in the transfer market, uh, having to sell our top players probably every year, or at least one of them, to keep running the club. And as a fan, I guess, that's frustrating. But you've kind of got to... I understand it. and you know, A lot of people do understand it, but it's still frustrating when you get attached to someone so good. You know, We're all shocked Joe Perot's still here, to be honest. 100% expecting him to leave. We got rid of Downs. And... Luckily, we only needed to get rid of the one of them because of the fee that he brought in. But that's the reality of it. That's what it's going to be every every season. Try and get a cheap, uh, really good player, unearth a gem, if you like, and sell them on until we can maybe get a push for promotion and get over the line. And then that perhaps changes a little bit. But I think that's a reality of a lot of clubs in the league, unless um, there's probably a handful that don't quite fit into that category. But yeah, most of us probably are feeling the same, I think. Touched on, obviously, losing diamonds, essentially. And it was something I wanted to touch on because I think far and wide, most people seem to rate Graham Potter as the best young English manager in the league at the moment. And it's the big reason he got the job going from Brighton to Chelsea's completely transformed uh, Brighton. You can see how they're still playing. Um, and they still, obviously, will be benefiting from a lot of his methods. Um Obviously, he really rose to prominence, probably originally, especially in the UK, with, with Swansea, as we know, after he came from, yeah. I think, Sweden, um, with Ostersunds, I could have the pronunciation incorrect. Could you tell he was going to be that good sort of early doors? And was that a kind of nightmare when he left? Was it like the one that oh, got yeah. away? Yeah, so he was labelled a risk when he came here. But when you look at his record that he did at Oysterunds, he shouldn't really have been labelled a risk. He's done really well there. I believe he brought that team up from the doldrums of lower leagues and out there to like the top or near the top. Uh, did he even get to the, the Champions League or something or the Europa League and play against Arsenal, I think, maybe? But, I think um, you're correct, yeah, with that. I think it was Arsenal. I think it might have been... Your... Arsenal fans yeah. are going to be at me saying this, but if it was Arsenal recently, it was probably Europa. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, but yeah, like he, he did really well. Obviously, perhaps an average finish for a team 
just relegate it, maybe you would argue you'd expect better. But when you look at the ins and outs of our team in that season, I think we had a lot more than, say, the teams that come down this year in terms of who's gone. Um, we basically sold most of our first team that would have been in the first team in the Premier League the year before and brought in all of our youth players who couldn't quite get into the first team while we were in the Premier League, even though they'd been around for some of them four or five years, Grimes, Felton, McBurney, and they're all mainstays now, yeah? So we brought them in all young, stuck them in the youth, thought maybe there'll be something for the future, and that investment in our youth facilities as well, even, because we really invested in the infrastructure, that's the season that it really paid off for us. And Dan James, I think, even as well, he broke through that season. So um, Joe Rodon, Connor Roberts, all there's quite a lot, and a lot of them, unfortunately, have moved on already. Um, so he brought them all in, and that was his task, to sort of like, right, all the big names are gone, we need to cut the money, um, get something out of these guys that haven't really played a full season of like this level before. And by the end of the season... I think if we take the second half of that season, put it in the first half and add a new second half, if you get me, we would have been pushing for the top. We were looking really good by the end of his stint. There's one match, if anybody wants to look at Graham Potter and his how he was doing with Swansea against Man City in the League Cup, which I maintain to this day was daylight robbery from uh, the lack of VAR, but hey-ho, Man City isn't there. Of course, they were going to get what they wanted. But um, yeah, we went 2-0 up against them and played some outstanding football. There's one goal, I think it was Selena that scores it, um, either Selena or Nathan Dyer, and we played out from the goalkeeper from the back, playing in diamonds around the Man City players. They pushed on, we got through it all, and we were through on goal, and it's an outstanding team goal, and that is Graham Potter's style all over. So if you want to go watch the highlights of that game, that's probably the one Um to show what he can do. So I, I really do hope that he does well at Chelsea. And I know people tipping him for England perhaps in the future, which would be interesting to see him bringing that sort of style to the international stage. I think England have been underachieving. For, I know they got to finals and stuff recently, but underachieving really for a long, long time with perhaps the players they've had at their disposal. And you never really get the best out of the players there. And maybe he could be someone that could do it. I would have no issue with it, but a different podcast for a different day, I guess. And I'm going to go on a rant. Well, the World Cup podcast will become, though, don't worry, everyone. Um, looking at Sunderland, it's kind of a, it's weirdly sort of a free hit for us this season. I think if I'm completely honest, if you'd said after 12 games, you're going to be seventh, you're going to win four, you're going to draw five, you're opening 12 games. I'd probably snap your hand off, to be honest. I think, you know, uh, 15th upwards is, is something that's really positive for us at, at this time being. Um it's cliche, but I do think you tend to see where the league's going to lie and how it's going to pan out after that sort of first 12 or so games. But obviously, you haven't watched as much Sunderland as me in the same way I haven't watched as much Swansea as you. But what have you made of Sunderland start? Surprising or expected? Um, I think I, I tipped Sunderland in our pre-season to stay up definitely, perhaps be around the mid-table more than playoffs though. But I think like, I knew you had a few seasons in League One but I do get the sense that when you came back to the championship, it wouldn't be a case of looking back. Are you going to try and stay here, at least push on? So, yeah, I'm not maybe surprised to see you hovering around the playoffs, but I'm not really shocked in a way. Um, it's so tight around there as well. Like one result can can change things for anyone. 
But yeah, it doesn't really. I'm not surprised to see you having a good season. Um, whereas you know the likes of, I thought maybe Rotherham would struggle a bit more. I, I would find them a little bit more surprising that they're not closer to the bottom. No disrespect to Rotherham, um, for Sunderland. When I look at Sunderland in the table, maybe the name it just doesn't look weird to see you where you are. Um, but. I don't know if that's a, a good way to answer the question, but yeah, I think you've definitely. I don't. I don't want to say sleeping giant, but it feels a little bit more like that some, than some other clubs that come up from League One. No, I think that's very fair. Um, it's funny because when we came up, I think we all really spoke about how important home form is going to be. I think you know, evidently, we have the the highest average attendance. That's probably going to be the case for a, a while unless a, a really really big co- uh, club comes down. Um, and home form is massively important at any level in, in any league, really, uh, especially if you want to be staying up. But we've picked up 10 points from our 17 away from home. We've won three away from home and, and one at home. Um, it's just my opinion and people might agree or disagree, but I think we look a little bit better away from home because we're quite good on the break. Unfortunately, we have no fit strikers at all um, and we have just came from League One ultimately and you know maybe those first 12 games are just bringing momentum and this is when we're going to level out a little bit but how do Swansea fans view the visit of, of Sunderland because I suppose it's a weird one because as you said before if I do say so myself we're a big club but we have yeah. just came up from League One we've got no strikers and Swansea maybe have um, ideas above what Sunderland do at the moment so is it a, a tough game or a game that you're looking for where you think realistically anything less than three points is disappointing I think for us, um, we're like we touched on earlier, our position where we need to get this consistency now and maintain this form and show that what's going on here is working and it's got potential going forward. You know, there's a phrase that gets thrown around a lot called trust the process. A lot of fans are in that position where it's like, show me it's working now. Uh, I've trusted the process this long, so now I want to see. Uh, how it's working and we have started to look like that so I think the expectation of the wider fan base not necessarily my own opinions but I think the expectation is they will see it as a club that's come up from League One that's been there a couple of years and we are our home and our home form hasn't been we haven't won as much there as we should have this season and I think they will be expecting this should be a win you know we've had a couple of tough games we've got Watford tonight we had West Brom on the weekend and I know they're near the bottom, but they got relegated last year, didn't they? West uh, Watford this year, so you'd and they both away. Uh, we did well against West Brom. We'll see what happens against Watford tonight. But then you'd go and say, okay, Sunderland at home. That's where you need to pick the points up, you know, because the bookies had us like sixth or seventh, I think, at the start of the year. So it is the sort of game on paper that you should be looking at, making sure you win if you want to get anywhere near that position in the table. Um, I don't want to discredit anything Sunderland are going to do. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I think it will be a tough game for us. And you just touched on the fact that you play on the counter. That could well be our undoing because generally people come down you, sit back, do a bit of a defensive structure and get us on the break. Like I said, when we lose the ball in stupid places and we're out of shape and you're doing your counter-attacking style, that's when your chances will come and there will be decent chances. So, um, yeah. But I think they will definitely view it as you're home, you're against the side that got promoted last year, take the names out of it. That's what they'll view it as. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, and I'm not not surprised by that. It's just always a, a funny one how we're viewed because I think when we first came down, 
somebody were tipping us for playoffs as like the surprise package where we were just like, oh God, just stay up. And then we did all right. And then it's 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 an interesting one as always. But if Sunderland are to get anything from Swansea on Saturday, be it a point or three points, which are the players that concern you? Which are the ones that you think could potentially damage Swansea? Um, so I did have a quick look at your team before, before the game from the team that started against Blackpool because I thought that'd be the most recent representation of who might play. Um, Patrick Roberts stands out for me. I've not seen an awful load of him in person, but I know he's he's had a couple of good seasons. Am I right in saying he's um product of Man City's Academy back in back in the day? Originally originally Fulham and then City's Academy paid like fourteen yeah. million from when he was twelve year old or something like that. I might yeah, be slightly so wrong there, but <laughs> he was highly rated for a long time, I think, going out on loan and stuff. Um did he spend some time in Scotland maybe? But um yeah, he's one that I would look at, perhaps could do a bit of damage. So Alex Pritchard's playing up front. I know he said he's gone to a striker, so it's probably a bit makeshift. But again, I know he's got some quality that could potentially hurt us. And Jack Clark, you got him in this season? Yeah? Or again? In loan last January, permanently yeah. this season, yes. Yeah, so obviously he's had a bit of an interesting few years perhaps, but highly rated again. That's why he got uh, looked at by some certain teams. And out wide, maybe is somewhere you can lock a hurt in us as well. Um, if we if we do go into anything in detail, but I think one side in particular for us would be a bit of a weakness, and that would be the side where Jack Clark would be attacking if you if you start the same way. Uh, I did notice as well. You've got Am- Ahmad Diallo from Man Man United. Um, that's an interesting one. Is it just a loan? I, I take it that he's on loan currently, but. Um... Unfortunately, because he's kind of half classed as a striker because he wants one number nine for Rangers, I think we're trying to shoehorn him up front. He played up front last night. He's very much, in my opinion, a, a winger. Had a great chance last night and for some reason just stopped. Um, so whether he'll whether he'll play on set, I don't know because I don't think the experiment of trying him up front worked last week. Where it, Sunderland fans will know listening to this. We're yeah. struggling a bit without strikers. Um, yeah. But Diallo... It's shown flashes, but whether it's as a centre forward, I'm not convinced. Yeah, it's just interesting because I think when he got signed by Man United like last year, whenever it was, um, they made quite a big noise about his potential for the future. So, yeah, me, you know, let's hope it's not the game where he, he has a worldie on the on Saturday. Fingers crossed it is for us, but um, that does yeah. bring me on to the final question as always, which I'm, I'm terrible at every single week. Um, I don't think I've had one right as yet. Prediction time. Um, whatever I say, it doesn't really matter. I said 3-2 last week um, to try and be a more, bit more outlandish and it was nil-nil. We are struggling a little bit. I actually weirdly fancy us to score more away from home, especially with the way Russell Martin's teams plays, if it's similar to what he did at MK Dons. Um, so I think we'll score. Uh, yes, we've had two clean sheets. So I fancy a 1-1. I really do fancy a 1-1. And that's not a confident one-one if I'm completely yeah. honest. Um, but I'll, I'll throw the floor to you, and maybe you'll have a bit more success with predictions than I've had. Um, I'm not sure what my record is this season. Actually, what I did say is that we would score three goals against Hull. I just thought that they would score some as well. But three nil, I'd take that all day. I just thought they were very, very leaky going into that game, and I think I said like we struggled scoring. If we're going to start somewhere, this is the perfect opportunity because looking at their record, their defence has been horrendous. And yeah, it's, it, that came true. So maybe I'll uh, 
five now, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it would be something like maybe two one. Um, I think we we need to use the momentum of a good couple of results now to. Well, we have, like if we don't do it, you know that's that's frustrating. So we have to at least try and go out there from the start and get our authority on the match. I wouldn't be surprised to see us perhaps taking an early lead. Maybe if we even go two up at some point, and then towards the end of the game, for you guys to come back into it. It's been the theme for us this season where we can't close games out. We had a two 0 lead over Millwall going into the ninetieth minute and drew two all. Oh, I've seen that. Yeah. So. So like our home performances, bar one or two, I think Blackburn was awful. But our home performances have been quite good. It's just non ninety minutes worth of quite good, and the the bad has tended to see us conceding, especially in injury time. So whether that's a draw, a loss, whatever, it's happened a few times. So two one, I'm going to go with, and a bit of squeaky bum time in the end because we're holding on. Perfect, Luke. Thanks as always for for popping on. Um, Obviously, after That's this, right. I'm going to be I'm going to be guesting on yours after this. So, if people do want to listen to any previous podcasts or listen to the one that I'm on in particular, where can you be found and, and what platforms are you on? Um, so, you can find us anywhere on all the socials. Really, just type in Swanscast or Swanscast Media. Depends if the app was available. But um, YouTube is where all of our videos go, and then our podcast on Spotify. But for the match previews and stuff, so obviously the one you're going to be in yourself, that would be on YouTube. So just type in Swanscast and you'll be able to find us there. Perfect. Luke, thanks very much. That's right. Thanks for having me.